Well, good morning. If you, uh, our lesson this morning is going to be taken from Mark chapter 1, but we're going to look first at, uh, in Matthew chapter 11. If you want to turn there before we go to our Lord in prayer and ask his blessing this morning. Our Father, how we pray, as Carrie just prayed, that you would send your spirit to sweep over our soul this morning. Father, enable us this morning to worship. Father, I pray that you would cause your spirit to send your gospel forth in power, in power to, to give life, in power to save, in power to comfort and point to our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, enable us to forget about all the, the goings-on of this life for a few moments. And Father, we pray that you would be pleased to reveal your glory to us. Oh, if you would show us the glory of Christ our Savior. We would forget all these other things for a few minutes and truly worship. We pray you'd magnify the name of Christ our Savior this morning. Father, I thank you for this time, and for this place that you've given us to be able to meet together in worship. And Father, I pray you'd give us the wisdom to carefully guard this great blessing that you've given us here, this great privilege to preach the gospel, the gospel of your dear son to our generation, and to be able to gather together with your people in peace and love and unity to worship together. Father, we pray for those of our number and those in other places who are sick and who are in deep waters, or in times of sorrow and heartache and difficulty, Father, we pray that you'd be with your people, that you'd heal, that you'd deliver, and Father, above all, that you'd give them a special portion of your grace that's sufficient for the trial that you send. Now, Father, all these things we ask and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now, I've titled the message this morning, God's Prophet Described. You know, in our day, and I guess it's probably always been this way, there's a whole lot of people who call themselves preachers. Now, when I see these people, how can I tell whether or not they're God's preacher or not? I, I know there's true preachers and false preachers, because that's what the word says. So how can I tell if they're God's preacher or not? Well, like Brother Henry told me one time, let's start with what we do know. Here's what I know. John the Baptist was a prophet. He's a prophet of God, and I know that because our Lord said so here in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, John the Baptist, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not arisen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So I know that John the Baptist, now look over in, chapter, in Mark chapter 1, I know John the Baptist was a prophet, of God. 
And God's preacher today is going to be a whole lot like John the Baptist. God's preacher today is going to have the same message that John preached. He's going to preach exactly the same message. And his methods, his way of preaching, his way of of being with people is going to be a whole lot like John's. So let me give you four or five descriptions of God's preacher. Number one, John was sent of God. And if you find God's preacher today, he's sent from God. In verse 2 there in Mark chapter 1, as it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. God sent that messenger. Now look in John chapter 1. Look what the apostle John had to say about John the Baptist. God said, I send my messenger before thy face. And now the apostle John knew John the Baptist well. In John 1 verse 6 he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John was sent by God and he was sent with a message from God, a message that is to be preached and it's a message to be believed. This message is a commandment to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. John's message was Christ. That's what he preached. That's who he preached. And since he preached Christ, that's why his message is to be believed. Look at verse 7. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Now that tells you how blind by spiritually, you know, by nature we are. Somebody had to come bear witness and tell us the light's on, the light's here. The same came to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. John's message was Christ. That's the message to be heard, to be believed. And since John was sent by God, John's goal was to please God. God's his master. The Lord's his master. This is who seems. So his goal was to please his master. And you read what, what we have, the account of John the Baptist's life in Scripture. You can tell this. He never tried to please men by just telling them what they wanted to hear. He never tried to do that. John made every effort to please God by telling the truth by preaching the message that God sent him to preach, no matter what it cost him. I mean, even if it cost him, John was going to preach Christ. Well, I'm telling you, that's exactly what God's preachers do today. I mean, I don't care what it costs them. They're going to preach Christ. Now, that is not to say that John didn't care about men. You, you can't be God's preacher and be of any use to, to people if you don't care about people. John cared about people a whole lot. He cared enough about people to always preach the message that God sent him to preach. He cared enough about people that he always preached Christ to people because that's the only message God's ever going to use to save a sinner. God's preacher today is the same way. He cares about people. And you know how you can tell if he cares about people? You can tell his love and his care for you if he always preaches the truth of God's grace in Christ Jesus. If a man always does that, that's his constant message. If you find a man like that, tell you what, you should stop and listen to him. Pretty good, that gives us pretty good indication he's sent from God. He cares enough to always preach Christ to you. All right, number two, John Never did try to get rich from religion. Look at verse 6 of Mark chapter 1. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle 
of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Now, John wasn't trying to get rich from religion. The Pharisees did, didn't they? Oh, they made their phylacteries broad. They seemed like somehow, isn't it just funny? They always seemed to be wealthy men. Were they skimming off the top? You know, what were they doing? I don't know, but they were getting rich from religion, not John. He, I think, just from this description, don't you think he kind of looked like a wild man? Clothed in camel's hair and just, you know, uh, probably not the most comfortable clothes that you could ever wear. I know for sure John wasn't wearing Armani suits and thousands of dollars worth of jewelry. I know that for sure. He was clothed in just plain clothes, a common man wore in that day. And he wasn't out eating in in five-star restaurants. He was eating wild honey and locusts. Now, you know, okay, if that's what you like, but... But the, the point there, he, he wasn't eating in these five-star restaurants. He wasn't, he wasn't doing that. This man was sent by God, but he was just like everybody else. He just, he, he didn't try to make himself, you know, on a higher plane and physically or spiritually than other people. Now, I hope it doesn't disappoint you. I'm not going to start wearing camel hair clothes, you know, just to, and I try not to look like a wild man. Um, I always wear suits when I preach because um, I want how I dress on the outside to show the solemnity for the occasion, the seriousness of the occasion, uh, uh, worshiping God. I want what, what is on the outside to show what's on the inside to give some indication that there's some, there's respect for the Lord here. You know, if I dressed in, in jeans and, and a t-shirt and tried to preach to y'all, you'd find that distracting, wouldn't you? Because that's not what we're used to, not what we're used to seeing. But I want my dress to show the reverence that's in my heart. But now you don't need no Armani suit to do that. (laughs) And you can tell the difference. Now you can tell if a man's after that or not. You can tell. You can, you just be around somebody long enough. You can always tell what motivates them. Now all that being said, look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. God's preacher. Now he's to be supported by the church. And he's to be supported well enough. He lives just like everybody else. And you know, I'm very thankful to say this church does that for your pastor. And I'm, I'm, I thank God for you. But this is something that uh, is good for God's church to be taught. Look what Paul says about supporting the pastor. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 7. Who goeth a warfare any time in his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it's written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he yet altogether for our sakes? For our sakes no doubt that is written. That he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. Now if we've sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your your carnal things? You know, the church is to support the pastor financially. So he can he can give his time to prayer and to study, so that the gospel is preached to you. So you get a spiritual blessing. I mean, you know, there's something there's something here for you. Um, 
You know, if a man has to work and, and support his family and, and come home when, he, when he's tired and, and try to study, and I've done it. I'm telling you, the preaching is not as good. If a man can give his time to study and to prayer, you're going to get a blessing from him. If he's God's pastor, you are. And, you know, the pastor should be worthy. His, his, his work ethic, his, you know, it should be worthy of enough support that he not just, just scrape by. But now listen, all that, the church is to, is to support the pastor, but getting more money from the church is not the goal of the pastor. And if it is, you can tell. You've been there, you can tell. You can tell if a man's goal is getting money from you or not. You can tell if, if a man's goal is to minister to you or get you to minister to him. You can tell the difference. And there's just, there's a problem. When a man who calls himself a preacher has private jets and yachts, and he's, there's something wrong with that. Something wrong. If a man's God's preacher, his number one concern is to preach Christ to you. That's his number one concern. And if you can find a man like that, you'd be wise to listen to him because that's a pretty good indication he's God's preacher. All right, number three, here's John's message. John preached the remission of sins by the blood atonement, the blood sacrifice of Christ. Back in our text, Mark chapter 1. Verse 4 says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now we talked about this verse in the, the lesson last week. We talked about what believer's baptism is. Believer's baptism is a confession. It's a confession of your faith and your trust in Christ. It's a confession. This is how God saved me. It's by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And when a person is baptized, they're publicly confessing this. I'm such a vile sinner. The only way I could be saved is by the obedience and by the sacrifice of the Son of God in the flesh. It's the only, it's the only way I could be saved. A person who's baptized is confessing my sin is so great that the only way that sin could be forgiven is through the blood of the Son of God shed as a sacrifice for my sin. Now that's what John preached. And that's what the people who John baptized, that's, that's what they were confessing. Now you can't confess what you, what you don't believe. And you can't, get, you can't believe what you've never heard. John preached Christ crucified to those people. And when the Lord gave them faith, that's what they were baptized confessing. John preached, there is remission. There's forgiveness of your sin because of the blood of Christ. Now that's the only message God ever used to save anybody before Christ came or after Christ came. That's what Abel believed. You know why Abel was offering a lamb and he wasn't bringing produce from his garden? He believed there's remission of sins in the blood of Christ. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Abel believed that. That's what Abraham believed. Remember our Lord said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. You know what the Lord was talking about? What day he was talking about? That day, Abraham took Isaac to that top of that mountain to sacrifice him. And as he lifted that knife to slay his son, the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. And he looked behind him. There's a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham took that ram and he offered that ram up in the stead of his son Isaac. And Abraham watched that ram die. He watched that 
that body being being burned with the fire, the, the burnt offering. Abraham watched that. And by faith, he saw Christ. By faith, Abraham said, I see. I see how God's going to save sinners. I see how God can save me. It's by the Lamb of God coming to be my substitute, to bear the punishment that I deserve. And he was glad. <laughs> he was glad. That's what Abraham believed. The same thing you believe. That's what David preached. You know why David wrote Psalm 22? The Psalm of the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? David was looking for Christ. That's who he was looking at. That's where his faith and hope and trust was. That's what Isaiah preached. That's why Isaiah wrote um, chapter 53 of Isaiah. We were having dinner yesterday and our son Doug made this statement about the Jews who do not believe that the Messiah has, has yet come. He said, all anybody's got to do he said, I know there's a whole testament, but all anybody's got to do to know that Christ has come is read Isaiah 53. <laughs> That's all. He fulfilled it all. Isaiah was looking for that lamb, taken before her shears as dumb, didn't open his mouth, and was crucified and slain, bearing our transgressions. That's what he believed. Same thing you do. That's what Ezekiel preached. The Lord showed Ezekiel that, the, the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Lord, thou knowest. And that's what the Lord taught. Spiritual life comes through the death of Christ. as our substitute, bearing our sin. That's what all those Old Testament prophets preached. That's what every Old Testament believer believed. The same thing we preach today. The very same message. Now, if you can find a man Preaching salvation by God's grace alone, through the blood of Christ alone, by the power of God alone. If that's his only message, I'm telling you, you'd be wise to stop and listen to him. Because I think I could say with, with some degree of certainty, that's God's preacher. That's his message. And here's something else John preached. Here's the fourth thing. John preached repentance because of the remission of sins. Remember, see that in verse 4? John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, I told you this last week, that word for, it means because of something that's already been done. Something that's been done in the past. You don't do it in order to make something happen. It means you're being baptized. You're, you're doing this, making this confession because of something that has already happened in the past. See, John baptized people who believed his message. He preached Christ. He preached Christ crucified. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's how he identified the Savior. Well, how's that Lamb going to take away the sin of the world? It's by sacrifice, by his blood. And people that John baptized, this is what they were confessing. Their sin has already been forgiven in the blood of Christ. They weren't baptized in order to be forgiven of their sin. They were baptized because God had already forgiven their sin. In Christ, the lamb slain who was coming. And their, their repentance, they turned to Christ. They, they turned away from all the, that religious junk that they used to trust in. They turned to Christ because God showed them the lamb slain. They said, this, this is the only thing I can hope in. He's all my hope. And God's preacher today preaches the very same message. He preaches this message with this method. He never preaches to you, you need to do something. He never preaches to you, your sin is forgiven because you did anything. Sins aren't forgiven because you repented. 
Your sins won't be forgiven and washed away because you're baptized, you're dunked under the water. If that's what you're trying to accomplish, to have your sins washed away, you're dunked under the water baptism, Brother Henry said all you have is a wet center. That's all you got. Your, your sin is not going to be forgiven if you make a confession of all of your sins. Salvation doesn't have one blessed thing to do with anything that we've done other than our sin that requires our salvation. That, that's the only thing we contribute to salvation is our sin, our need of a Savior. Salvation has everything to do with who Christ is and what Christ has done for his people. Here's why you repent. A person repents. They, they turn from trusting their idols and they turn to trust Christ because you've experienced that blood of Christ being applied to your heart. Your sin is forgiven in the blood of Christ. God shows you that and you turn to trust Christ alone. You repent and you turn to trust Christ because of the heart work that God's done in you. He's given you a new heart and that new heart can only trust Christ. It can only look to Christ. It can only rest in Christ. So you turn to Christ to trust Him. See, you repent because God turned you. I'm telling you, if God turns you, you're going to be turned. You're going to turn away from all of your idols. And you're the biggest idol that every one of us has to deal with. I mean, someone could grow up Catholic and they got a lot of problems with all those different idols, you know, that they, they teach them to bow to and all those, those different things. But you know the, the biggest idol we've got to contend with is self. Every one of us is born with that idol of self. Well, when you're baptized, here's what you're confessing. I'm not trusting me. <laughs> I'm not trusting anything about me. I'm not trusting anything I've done. I trust Christ. That's the, we're, we're, We are baptized and we repent because of a work of Christ in us and for us. Here's the fifth thing. John preached the preeminence of Christ. In verse 7 says, He preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Now John was very plain about himself, and God's preachers today, if he's God's preacher now, he's going to be very plain about himself. He'll freely admit, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be doing this. I'm not worthy to, to get up and talk about the Savior, to talk about the Son of God. I'm not worthy to do that. I'm not worthy of God's mercy and grace to me. I'm not worthy that the Son of God would suffer and die in my place. That he take my sins and his body on the tree and suffer and die for. I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy to do the lowest service in the kingdom of God especially to preach Christ. But, even though that's true, God's given me a message of grace for unworthy sinners. And that's the message that I preach to you. Now, I want to find a man like that. I want to hear a man preach grace who knows he doesn't deserve grace. That's who I want to hear preach. Nobody can preach grace to sinners like another sinner who knows he needs God's grace. I want to hear a man preach grace, who knows he needs grace himself. Because you know why? That'll make him more compassionate on my sin, on my weakness, on my weak faith and my 
flesh and it'll make him more compassionate for my need of grace because he understands it because he needs it too. I want to hear a man who only preaches Christ because Christ is all he needs. Christ is his all. I need somebody to to do that for me because that's what I need. I need him. He's my all. If a man knows how much he needs God's grace, he's totally dependent on Christ. You know what that'll do for him? It'll make him faithful to preach grace to other sinners. It'll make him faithful to preach Christ to others. And a man who knows that he needs grace, he's going to have some humility about himself. Now, he's going to be confident in his message. He's going to be bold in his message. By God's grace, he'll never compromise his message. I mean, he's got a a spine of iron, steel, whatever strongest. I mean, he's got an unbending spine in this. I mean, I don't care what it costs him. He will not compromise this message. But he's going to have some humility about himself too. And he should be, shouldn't he? He should be humble. Because he's just a voice. Our attitude must be, has to be this. He must increase. But I must decrease. I talked to a, some years ago, talked to an old pastor. Been in this thing a long time. And he had that backbone of steel. And uh, he and I were talking about a particular issue problem that it was going on and um, I thought well he's going to tell me all the answers to this and then I'll understand and he said Frank I don't know you tell me <laughs> there's some humility there I don't know you you, you tell me now, if you can find a man who preaches the preeminence of Christ he preaches Christ is all because Christ is all he needs and he knows Christ is all you need If you can find a man preaching that message, I'm telling you, you should stop and listen to him because that's the message that God uses to save sinners. If he can lift Christ up in his preaching, that's the message God uses to cause his people to look to Christ. All right, here's the last thing. John preached that salvation is a vital union with Christ. Verse 8, he says, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now the baptism that John's talking about here, the Lord baptizes us with the Holy Ghost. Here he's not talking about believer's baptism. He's not talking about immersion in water here. This baptism is when the Lord immerses us into Christ. He immerses his people into Christ so that we're one with Christ. Now if we're immersed into Christ, when the Father looks at us, what does he see? All he sees is Christ. Right? Just like when a person's baptized and we take them completely under the water. For a moment, all you can see is the top of the water. Right, That person's been immersed in the water. But what John's talking about here is how the Spirit takes us and immerses us into Christ so that the sinner has union with Christ. Now that's not a picture of salvation. You know, believer's baptism, that's a picture, isn't it? What John's talking about here is is salvation. Salvation is a vital union with Christ. You cannot have Christ, have salvation. You cannot have eternal life 
You cannot have acceptance. You cannot have the forgiveness of, of your sin unless you're in Christ. Join to Christ so that you are what he is. See, the only way a sinner can be saved is to be in Christ, our representative. The only way we can have a righteousness before God is if we were in Christ, so that when he obeyed the law, I did too. That's the only way a sinner can be, can be made righteous. The only way that I can be dead to the law's demand, the law demands I die for my sin eternally. The only way that I can be free from that demand is if I already died in Christ. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Now this is what Paul says. He's not talking about believers baptizing or baptism here. He's talking about being immersed in Christ. Put in Christ. So that when Christ died, I died in him. That's what baptized into his death means. That when Christ died, I died in him. Now I'm square with the law. Because I already died. The law demands I die. I died. I died in Christ, my representative. And that's what we confess in believer's baptism. Verse 4. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into his death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When Christ died, all of his people were in him. They died in him. When he laid in the tomb, all of his people lay in the tomb in him. And when Christ came out of the tomb, he rose again. All of his people rose again in him. They rose to new life in him. That's how we were given life. That's how God saves his people. And it's that baptism, being put into Christ, that's what a, a person confesses when they're baptized. Now, the only way somebody can, can confess that and believe that is if somebody comes like John the Baptist and is bold enough to only preach Christ to us. That's God's preacher. And if you find one, you should listen to him. And it's, you understand what I'm saying. It's not him. You should listen to his message. It's the message that God has for you. And he's, if you're going to hear God's message for you, you're going to have to hear it through a cracked clay pot. <laughs> that's, how, that, that's how God's pleased to do it. But if you can find one, you should listen to him. Because that's where you'll find life for your soul. All right. Lord bless you.